turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time is 607. Three lines open, one 888 Why we are talking about uh, the falling away uh, is, is not to shake anyone's faith per se, but to, um, to, to help us understand that you're going to see it happen if it didn't happen to you. Gitmo said it happened to him. I, I got that. It never did happen to me, but I do know it happens to people. I've been a pastor now for uh, over 25 years, and I've seen people come and go. I've seen people go and never return. I've seen people not just leave the church because that doesn't necessarily constitute apostasy. It can be a pattern leading to it. But I've seen people leave Christ. I've seen them abandon the true gospel. I've seen them uh, commit um, um, what would be uh, heinous, heretical, heterodoxical practices that would indicate that that they didn't know the Lord in the first place. And this is where we would explain to all of you that would be watching and observing someone that might have for a moment a kind of zeal and passion for God and be like a shining star and they would fall particularly if they they were of uh, some kind of influence in your life, you want them to hurry up and fall because if they're not, uh, if they're not God's child, if they're not servants of the living God, and if they're not preaching the truth of the gospel, we don't want them in the community because they're not helping the community. Um, let's see here. Uh, if, 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 if Gitmo put me online too, let me see if Gitmo is still there. Um, if uh, Jim, are you still there? Jim, are you still there? I'm still there. And Roger, to all that you said, preacher. Uh-huh. So share something with me. Back in the day when you, you know, you, you drifted, uh, what, yeah. was, what was it that led you, you know, to get out of the way? What, was, what, what took place? Well, dis- disobedience and chasing, uh, uh, you know, tempt- falling into temptation. Yeah. My my salvation was never in question, and you're absolutely right. I essentially have nothing to do with my salvation other than to obey. Right and now, let's let's what, talk about that too, because you I think you still need to be developed in the area of of what we call grace language, because you said that first of all, you said um, that. Um, uh, the only thing that that was going on was just was just in general disobedience. It had nothing to do with your salvation. I could actually state that that's that's very un. And I think you would agree with me because I can tell that you have a, a proper attitude, Jim, that when we use the language, my sinning and my disobedience uh, has nothing to do with my salvation. I would say biblically, that's not good language. Every time you and I sin. We are in a position of justifying God for punishing us and sending us to hell by our practice, not our position in Christ, by our practice. And I'll tell you why. 
because to the degree that you and I sin and rebel against God, particularly publicly and other people see it, we cause them to stumble. And God takes no pleasure in people stumbling because of my sinfulness. And this is where I want to get into that second category called perseverance of the saints. When Jude says that God sanctified you and I and preserved us in Christ, he's talking about what he did in our justification and regenerative work at the point of conversion. That's a monergistic work that God does alone. But once he saves you and I, Jim, he gives us a new nature. He makes us born again so that we are in union with Jesus Christ so that he works in us the will and to do of his good pleasure, meaning he doesn't believe for you. He doesn't obey for you. He helps you believe. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. He helps you obey. And when we disobey, he didn't help us disobey. That's when in our own rebellion, because God will sometimes allow us to go our way to prove to us that we are still sinners, even though we are saved and that we need to humble ourselves before him and walk with him in humility so that we can stop those patterns of sinning that lead us to a kind of uh what you had stated, just just getting out of the way. But you know this, that if there were people looking at you and professing to be believers uh, and they saw you stumbling and they were weak in the faith, your conduct could cause them to stumble, too. Would you agree? I would, I would definitely agree with what you've said. And God my, would... Go on. My, okay, what... What you're talking about is my relationship. It's relationship, relationship, relationship to the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the power that is within me. And you are absolutely right about grace. Yeah. Nothing, nothing in my relationship could continue without his grace. You got it. You got it, bro. I, and I know you know that. What I'm doing is, is making sure that we, we glorify God when we talk about standing and obeying and falling and recovering, it's still a function of the relationship. Now, here's a part of the relationship I want you to get, and I want the audience to get, because you and I are wanting to be responsible men of grace right now. If I live in a way that dishonors God, God is not pleased with that because I can cause other people to stumble really, really, really bad. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And therefore, when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, it would be better for me to have put a millstone around my neck and cast myself into the depths of the sea than to, by my scandalous disobedience, cause one of those little ones who believe in him to stumble. He's telling you and I that even though we have a relationship with him, it's not exclusive. It's not private. And this is where believers make the mistake, even around grace. They would uh, surmise that grace is kind of a private deal between them and God, and it's nobody else's business. I would beg to differ exceedingly that upon God saving us by his grace, we become trophies of grace. We become sons and daughters of God, and we are obligated to demonstrate our union with Jesus Christ, him as our head, we as his body, him as our husband, we as his bride, him as the the vine tree and us as the branches that we should bear fruit because in this God is glorified. And when we are not bearing fruit, not only is the father not glorified, Jim, we cause us other people to stumble. And that is a very serious thing with God, the father, God, the son, and with the Holy ghost, he would be exceedingly grieved 
if by my conduct I am causing men and women to transgress, stumble, and ultimately perish. Believe it or not, you and I can be children of grace and be secure in our salvation on God's side of the equation, but in that period of lapsing, cause other people to stumble and end up going to hell. And this is where our lifestyle must also be brought into conformity to Christ so that I I know you agree with me on this now, that you and I must spend every day of our lives by the grace of God, making our calling and election sure so that we are neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Christ. Would you agree with that? I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. I will say Uh that God... God's grace will always outweigh my sin. Totally, totally. As Paul Paul said, I'm not going to go out there and sin to prove how graceful God is, because I do not want anybody to stumble on my account. But God's grace... God's grace covers that also. Yep, you're, you're, it covers that for you. It doesn't cover it for the other person, and and that's no. where that's where discipline will come in for us. For instance, one one individual was asking me about eternal security and asking, what about if we sin in such a grievous, grievous way of addiction and and drugs and alcohol and fornication and pornography? What I told them is that John said in 1 John chapter 5 around verse 14, there is a sin unto death, and I say unto you that you should not pray for it. If you and I are persisting in not living a life that honors God, God will take us out. Yes, yes, you will. I believe that. That's all there needs to be said. Now, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven, but he's going to take you out of this life. Because we're we're not living. I believe that doctrine, okay? Yeah. You can can push him too much. Now, my question to you, Pastor, is if someone doubts or questions their salvation, my contention is that they probably are not saved in the first place. So Would we're going to take agree? a, we're going to, no, I don't, not at all, not even for a moment. And I'm going to talk about that when we come back, come back, because I caught that when you said it earlier and, and you're going to, ha- while we're on our break, you better go to your Bible and substantiate that proposition because otherwise I'm going to have to tear it down. I'm going to be gracious, but I'm going to have to tear it down. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline, three lines open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back. The time is 620 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are talking about eternal security. We are talking about the nature of saving faith. I'm having a great conversation with uh, Gitmo Jim. That, that, that's his phone call name. I am absolutely sure of that. But we've got three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm having this conversation with you because I am very much aware that in our communities of faith, we really don't go as deep into the word of God as we ought to. I'll just be honest with you. And then I'm going to get back and have a very germane conversation with Jim around doubting um, in our communities of faith. And I'm, I'm a pastor who's out in the field enough to know that our churches, many of them have no intentions of really developing a healthy, robust theological framework for their members. It's this kind of attitude that doctrine is boring. 
that going deep in the word of God will only confuse their members, that if they have to study the word of God, they're going to end up having problems because they're going to have to struggle through passages that are paradoxical passages that, um, that, that, that carry antinomy. They carry contentions. They carry apparent conflicts. They are passages that have transcendent theological richness that requires you to pray about it. In other words, the word of God explicitly says to you and I that until you view the word of God as treasure to be mined and excavated out of the ore, the mountains of 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 his treasures and wisdom that you and I are going to live a very shallow life. And if that's the case, when trials occur, we may not necessarily have the adequate understanding that God has availed to us in his word by which we can have comfort. Here's what the psalmist said about that in the scriptures. He says, remember the word unto your servant, Psalm 119, upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in all my affliction because your word quickens me. What the psalmist said is, bring back the word that I studied, I prayed about, I learned mnemonically, um, I, I hid in my heart that I might sit, might not sin against you. I sought you with my whole heart. Let me not wander from your commandments. And yet we do. But it's the word of God that takes us deep enough into Christ that when troubles come, we won't be overly shaken. So you really do are you are in a precarious state, Christian, if you don't have a heart passion to go deep with God. I mean, deep in his word, because you're not going to get close to God and not be close to his word. I'm sorry. You will not know him in a saving way, in a sound way, in a rich way, apart from his word to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. If you are my disciples, you will continue in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Apart from that depth of pursuing God in Christ, you will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Now, what I want to do with you, Jim, is I want to know where you got this notion that doubting is like the unpardonable sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. What you just said warmed my heart, okay? The words that you used warmed my heart. What my concern, What my concern is, is that a person that is wavering, okay? They're doubting. And I'm not saying that they are not saved, but when you are wavering and doubting your salvation, the only alternative is to get into the Word, is to discipline every day, get closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it's all at. The relationship with Jesus Christ is everything. I agree and with you. Doing doing that, you will you will be tested. Yep. You will be tested. That's a promise. Yep. I mean, you're gonna go against the wind. Yep. And Jesus Christ sets it up. As he withdrew True. after True. the feeding of the five thousand, he put him okay, take the boat over to Genesaret. Yep. And then he sat up on the hill, and he watched him struggle against the wind. He set the whole thing up. And then at night, he walked out on the ocean, out on the sea, got in the boat, and they were not pleased with what he had done. 
That's a test. Now stop right, right there. Stop right there. Uh, I'm gonna correct you in some things you just stated because you got in the you, mark. In, yeah, you did I'm, it. I'm, follow, I'm following in Mark. Yeah, it's in it's, says, in it's in all three gospels. Now that's right. But when he got in the boat, when he got in the boat, read it. They were not pleased with what he had done. Nope, that's not what it says. And I don't know what translation you're reading, but that's another conversation. Well, Let's. Well, that's okay. You you go ahead. I am make your point. I, I will. I actually love that analogy you use. So, like, I'm going to give you, if, if you were in my class, I'm giving you 85% credit for an appropriate analogy, Jim, around uh, the struggle the believer has with doubt, right? Right. Okay. But okay. I want 100%. Yeah, yeah. I want 100%. Well, you get, well, you, get, <laughs> you get ready to get corrected, and then you can own that. So let me right. let me reframe what, what is just an absolutely brilliant text. Actually, I'm about to have a conference in the next couple of months. I shouldn't say it, but that's going to be my premise text for our conference because storms do come in the Christian life. Let me say this for the person out there that you are causing to have you were ha- you were causing a number of people to have some real problems with what you stated before. You never want to tell a person who is struggling with doubt you're probably not saved. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that well, again. Uh, okay, I'm 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 listening. Okay, keep you. listening. Here we go. Right. So when we talk about security of salvation, we're not talking about assurance of salvation. Now, all y'all get your pens out and get ready to write because I'm going to help you now. The security of the believer does not lie at all in how strong his or her faith is. The security of the believer never lies and how strong their faith is. The believer's faith can be as weak as a mustard seed, as flimsy as a broken reed and a smoking flax. Yet, if it comes from God, if it's rooted in Christ, if its object and hope is Jesus Christ, that faith will never, ever quench out. It never will. Therefore, just using Jim's analogy, they were actually operating in obedience, not disobedience, when they crossed the river. They were obeying Christ in wading through the waters of the Mediterranean, the Galilean Sea, to get over to the other side, to Gennesaret. They were in obedience. They were not in disobedience. Frequently, it's in our disobedience that doubt emerges as a mountain. But in our obedience, when storms come, listen, Jim, and listen, everybody else. What the storms are simply designed to do is expose the measure, the nature, the strength, the size of our faith. That's all it's designed to do. And when you discover that your faith is weak, that your faith is small, of which Christ admonished the disciples many times, O ye of little faith, he said it over and over and over again. Well, I guarantee you everyone that's listening to me, including me, fit in that category. O ye of little faith. 
But as long as you have the faith of God's elect, as long as you have true saving faith, as long as you have the faith that is given to you by the spirit of the living God, you can and frequently will doubt. This is what the man said in Mark's gospel, uh, Matthew's gospel, 9, 23 through 25, when he struggled with his child not being healed after many, 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 many years. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. What is he talking about with that level of unbelief? He's talking about those areas of doubt, those areas of concern, those areas of not being convinced, those areas of not being persuaded. I don't have time to really unpack it fully. But when we're talking about faith, we're not talking about a simple complex, a simple concept that that's inanimate. We're talking about an organic principle that pervades every part of our being. The other thing I want to say about it is this. That some of us in the faith are going to be people who will doubt all of our lives a lot of things simply because we are weak and we have uh, a lack of discipline like Jim had stated. Maybe we are not as deeply committed to the word as we ought to be. Maybe we grew up with all kinds of trauma. Maybe our level of self-esteem is so wounded, so broken that it's hard for us to lift up our head. But please hear me. Our assurance of faith. Is not the same as our security of faith. John says in first John chapter four, if our hearts condemn us, know that God is greater than our hearts. You are right, Jim. James says if a man is doubting, he will go through the condemnation of doubt, but he will never, ever be unjustified. He will never be separated from the love of God. He will never, ever be disqualified from the community of the saints. It is for that very reason that Jesus got on the water, got in the boat with them, and once he let them know it was him they were all settled down and the next thing you know the boat was at the shore in other words that account that you are sharing gives us a remedy and that is when we are wavering and being tossed to and fro the goal is to call on God so that Christ draws near in preaching and teaching and prayer and gives us that settled state of mind that we are precisely in the will of God even though we're going through the storms that bring about doubt I got to take another break. All the lines are full. I got to take another break. All the lines are full. I'm looking forward to this conversation uh, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Jim, great question. We will be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. And uh, the time is 635 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. And join our dialogue and conversation. Jim, I'm going to have to let you go. Uh, lengthy conversation with you. I do want to reiterate that when you use the concept of doubt, be very clear of how the Bible addresses that concept of doubt. There is no person listening to me that doesn't doubt from time to time, given the trials and difficulties they go through. And if they have not necessarily gone through uh, any more severe trials in their lives have merited them, they may very well go through one tomorrow or a week later or a month later or a year later from now that will really try them. But the, the Bible is very clear about the nature of faith. It can coexist with our lack of knowledge, with our lack of confidence, with our lack of assurance, and therefore with the, with the framework of doubt and timidity and questioning. Faith 
is able to embrace all of those human idiosyncrasies. It's able to do that. It's the reason for which we go to the throne of grace. It's the reason for which we call on God, pray to God. In fact, if I if I really wanted to work it through. It's a great commodity of humility because there are a lot of people who will act like they don't doubt, talk like they don't doubt, talk like they never have a real <clears throat> questionable moment in their life. And that would be to uh, to be a falsehood. That would be to pretend something that's not true. In every case where God's true servants have doubted, in every case, I'm talking about I'm talking about Elijah in the days of Jezebel. I'm talking about Thomas in the days after the crucifixion of Christ. Both of those were storms, if you will, in in, in like manner with the, the Mark account that our brother was quoting. Storms will bring about doubts in your life. In all those cases, what does God do when we doubt? He comes in and gives us every reason to believe him. And the account with Elijah, what did God do? He brought the ravens. He brought a revelation. He brought a resolve. Ravens, revelations, and results. What did Elijah ultimately come to discover? That God had already prepared another servant to take his place. So he collapsed in his faith for a moment because he's human like you and I are. Our faith is never designed for us to look at our faith as assurance. Our faith is always designed to look to Jesus Christ as our security. And over time, Christ will affirm to us his faithfulness in our life. It was Thomas Didymus that says, I, I, w- I, I will not believe. I will not believe until I can see it for myself. And what did Jesus do? He didn't send him to hell. He didn't let Thomas go. He didn't let Thomas go the way of Judas Iscariot. He came in with evidences. He strengthened Thomas's faith. He said, Thomas, here's my hand. Here's my feet. Touch me. Put your hand in my side. Put your hand in the holes of my hands and be no no more doubting, but believing. And what happened to Thomas? He said, my Lord and my God. In other words, his faith was increased. And whenever the word of God is brought to bear in our lives and the person and work of Jesus Christ for that is what the atonement of Christ is all about to strengthen our faith, then we are going to be strengthened in our faith. Let me go to line number four and talk with James for a moment. Line number four and talk with James to see what he's up to. James, what's your question on the Monday edition of Lifeline? When I was just listening, I hope you can hear me because I'm sounding, am I sounding garbled? No, you're good. Oh, good, good, good. Well, no, listen, I was just listening in, and I was glad that you you, know, you brought up and you touched on people, you know, knowing the, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ or trying to know him outside of his word. You know, I've been sitting back, you know, just pondering on, you know, the thought of you speaking to, uh, speaking on the state of our churches today right. where I can't, I mean, I can't even wrap my mind around, you know, what, you know, I oftentimes see in the church today where I don't know what people think going to church is supposed to be. Right. I don't know where we lost that concept. Yep. But when you go to church, I mean, you read the scriptures and you and you and you look at what the Lord Jesus Christ did, and you look at what uh, the apostles did when they went into the temple when they was reasoning in the scriptures, yep. you know, and when they were talking and they were uh, and they were discussing the word and they were dissecting the word. Yep. You know, you know, like you know, like you do, you know, over grace and. We do it other places, yep. and that's how you get to get to know him. You know, 
uh, you know, on a relationship level and on a, on a revelation level because yep. you're spending time with them, but also to guard against uh, also the fact that, you know, you can get to know him. I mean, I'm talking about getting to study the word in, a, in an intimate sense, not yes. trying to be a scholar yes. or a theologian. Yes. Uh, but to but to get to know him, because I don't think there was any other person who knew the word better than Satan did after he got cast out. He knew it enough to be able to twist it and deceive people. Indeed. So it's n- not enough just to know the scripture, but you have to know the author. You have to know him, and, yet, and we have to get to know him more intimately, and I think that's what people begin to miss on both sides of it. I think some people on one side, uh, on one side of the equation, may be like, "Well, I want to know him just for my uh, uh, myself, without the scriptures, because it's a relationship, it's a mentalistic relationship, and I'm not going to get too high and, and lift it up." You know, on the other side of the equation, where there's people who again know the scriptures, but they don't have a relationship, and sometimes you can become a little bit puffed up, a little bit arrogant, you know. And I think people sense that yep. uh, amongst, uh, amongst you know, among, a person, I mean, they discern, they're able to discern yep. that inner person because they may know the Word, but they don't have the heart, uh, you know, of the Savior. And, then, and, and there's a balance there, and there's a tension there that has to be weighed out. Now, I share with people... When I read it over and over again, it's, I, 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 I use the term, it's a love letter. He's written a love letter to yep. us, yep. Yeah, to, you know, in a sense, to, to to draw us to him. And the more we read it, the, the closer we draw to him. And the closer we draw to him, the more then he reveals to us through revelation of what he, want, of what he wants us to know, whatever it is we need to know. Perfect. When we might be desiring to know. Perfect. It's what you stated is perfect, and we'll leave it right there. And, and, and really the word we would say there is the devotional component to um, our knowledge of God through the word. Whenever I'm teaching systematic theology or I'm teaching comparative religions or I might be teaching uh, biblical theology, whenever I'm teaching my men uh, or my women, because we teach them deeply the word of God at, at, at deep, deep levels, one of the things I say to them, this is not about acquiring information for the purpose of being able to tell somebody. Else. This is always about acquiring information for the purpose of being able to know him. And this is eternal life that you might know him, the true and the living God in, in Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So the purpose of of knowing is in order to know him. And that should impact us at the level of relationship. As you are stating, James. And you are right where uh, where men and women collapse into many uh, merely gathering data in order to be able to win a debate or argue with someone uh, that that often will become the context in which people will shrink away from wanting to learn because Paul put it clearly in first Corinthians chapter eight, love edifies. And knowledge puffs up. And he does not mean that we are to therefore abandon knowledge for love. He simply means that we are to utilize knowledge in a way that would increase our love for God. For to know him is to love him. Thanks for the call, my dear brother. Let me go to line number one now and talk with Nelson in San Mateo. See what Nelson has to say about our topic. Nelson, are you there? Yes, uh, sir. Um, yeah, it was great listening to all that because, I mean... That road to sanctification is tough. Yep, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, and faith is a gift. Um, we are kept by the power of God through faith. And like you said, it's not the amount of faith that we muster up. It's, nope. It's 
just the air um what's the word of a gift that he doesn't never take back right uh, Eric. right <laughs> um so yeah and, and it's like you know you, you shake your head at myself at myself sometimes wonder wow my call in an election show because I, I i got into it on thursday with uh um <laughs> the president of alpha and omega ministry i really got into it i'm i'm, I'm gonna really stay away from that and Stuff that's just going to drag me down that road because it's just a worthless argument, and that's just where we're at right now. Um, well, see, you're growing. Here. You're you're growing, and 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 yeah, leave my boy alone over there. I, I know that. I know. I know what you're talking about. I really do. Um, and and what we want to do is, you know, I, I want to encourage you too. And I got to take another break. Then I'm going to close with Derek on the other side of the break. But I do want to encourage you too because you're, uh, you know, Nelson. We've been knowing each other for a while, and you're 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 a knowledgeable man. You're passionate, <laughs> for sure, on, on a bunch of levels, like a lot of us are. Uh, and, and what I would love to see with you is that you would pick your battles and that you would also be more intentional about sowing uh, healthy fellowship moments with people. We're too old, you and I, to um, look back behind us and simply have a litany of people with whom all we have been doing is arguing. True. I guess. I guess. I just have a problem with their obvious bias because you know the chief spokesman. I know you like them, but the chief spokesman for that ministry did go on a long rant that got a lot of people angry because of the way of a black teenager crossed the street. So I just called the ministry and asked them, you know, is he going to go off on a long rant on white folks um, for the because of what the Vegas shooters shot fifty eight people or. In the last week, the FBI has arrested four white people, four white men, attempting to do mass shootings. One of them wanted to do the most mass shootings ever with his ex-girlfriend. I agree. I agree with you. Do have to take a break. But I do agree with you that sometimes, you know, different ministry advocations will be... um, leaning on one side on the on the larger social level and could uh, could use um, in some cases a balance just for the uh, granting of people who are in their community because you're in the same community with James Wright ultimately on a soteriological level. Um, I agree that they could be a little bit more careful along those lines and maybe they will in the future. Um, but I got to take a break right now, man. Thanks. Okay. I got to pay some bills uh, okay. and uh, it'll be all right. We'll talk again. I'll be right back on the Monday edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number four and talk with Derek from San Francisco. Derek, are you there? Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to talk to you again, and especially from the standpoint of once upon a time we debated some things, but I'm not calling for debate. I'm calling to encourage you in your encouragement of the saints, you know, as you are comforting the feeble-minded and supporting the weak and bringing encouragement to the body of Christ. And that's really what a pastor and an elder is to do. I agree. And uh, that is my Hearts cry that uh, we as saints of the Most High God, we come together and work together and support each other and encourage one another. You know, we have some differences that 
may or may not be that important. And of course, as we all mind the scriptures, we grow and learn, but really to encourage each other in our Christian faith and build up the faith. Help let's you know, let's build up each other. Well that's what I'm that's what I'm sorry. That's what I try to do on this program if you if you've been able to been li- be listening. I don't have the advantage well, let me see. How can I put it? I don't have the advantage of knowing whether or not, you know, uh, a year or two ago, people who listen more frequently are not listening now. But if we all could. Here's what I would say, Derek, while we got a few minutes, because I'm actually going to mind. I'm going to mind you on our, our initial premise as we opened up our, our initial thesis. Um eternal security in relationship to to the question that emerges out of it um, as as we all are moving towards eternity uh, we should be becoming wiser we should be becoming more mature our value systems ought to be shifting and prioritizing if the Lord's in our life he should be helping us to understand what is critically important about uh, growth and maturity and healing and we are in a generation, I think you would agree with that, where we are still dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of believers who are not as mature as they ought to be. They are not as strong as they ought to be. They're not as uh, equipped as they ought to be. We're not living in times where saints are are real healthy. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. But, uh, but again, that's where I believe you did a great job tonight, strengthening your brother. Right. And that's what we have to do. That's what we are called to do. If God gives it to us, he gives it to us to help someone else. Agreed. And build up and not not scatter the sheep, but gather the sheep. So and now I, if I really so, just commend you. Go ahead. Thank you. So now if if in your community there was uh let's say an elder who had prominent position and influence and they were teaching sound doctrine for a while. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, they got weird and started teaching things that um, at best was peripherally, uh, you know, hinted at in the word of God, if not um, altogether contrary to some essential of the Christian faith and, and, and started impacting the congregation. And, and impacting them in the on a relational level where you can see that they really do enjoy this guy, enjoy this teacher, enjoy this person, this minister in your community. And then all of a sudden that minister uh, collapsed in their faith, in their walk, and they, and they departed. They, they left. They, they no longer are holding to the Bible as the word of God. They're no longer holding to Christ as the only way. They're no longer, uh, no longer holding to salvation uh, by grace in Jesus Christ alone. They are now either moving into a, an overt universalism uh, that, would, that would smack of, you know, I'm just pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. Or like what's going on in a lot of communities, people are simply buying into the larger notion of agnosticism or atheism. If you had an individual that uh, made that kind of radical departure, how would you encourage your people biblically around what happened? Well, we always have to point to the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? not to individuals or personalities or what moves the needle emotionally. Right. So it's our job to search the Scriptures, 
be as true to the Word of God as we know how. Right. And when we see shifts, they must be addressed. We entreat the elders as fathers, right? Right. You're right. So no, your 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 ethics are good. I'm 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 already there with that. Mm-hmm. But so, what? I, yeah, we. It has to be addressed. Okay. So it how do you? How are you dealing with a, a person that comes to you? And goes, Pastor, I thought she was saved. I thought she, it seemed like she knew the Lord. What happened? It got me all shaken up. I'm now wondering whether or not, you know, I can trust God's word. I'm wondering now whether I can, uh, I can, I can believe God. If they could fall away from the faith, then I could too. What's going on there? I know I'm, I know I'm leading you, you, you know, but I'm just, I'm just trying to see how you would, how you would uh, nurture a, a, a weak, uh, not necessarily weak, but a troubled saint. Because uh, you got to talk about it at a theological level. You do. Well, simply, I mean, obviously. That individual didn't die on the cross for the sins Jesus did. Okay. Okay. So human beings do fail. Okay. Men do fail. I, I, that's great. Stated that's James great. stated in many areas, we all yep. sin. We all fail. Yep. So if, if one of the prince of the apostles stated that about himself, and Paul stated that about himself, yep. John stated that about himself, you know, if we, John said, if say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Yep. So, again, we point them to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. We point them to their faith in Christ. Uh-huh. That if you have a faith as a grain of a mustard seed in Christ, indeed, you are saved. Yep. He will keep you. What happened to that? What happened to him? Though, because you're you're on a you're on those are comforting words for that brother. I mean, for that Mm -hmm. sister. And I'm totally with you. I'm I'm going. Amen. We singing. We worshiping. We saying, Lord, strengthen that poor sheep that had to endure that crazy situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably don't have time. Uh, Would you say? Because I would probably put a couple um, qualifiers out there. That individual. Um, needs to be prayed for who just departed from the faith because they are making an open public profession that they are wow. atheistic. They no longer believe the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. They need to be prayed for because they have a lot to answer for in Judgment Day well, with regards well, to we their. Well, probably. Well, I want to stay with with we agree because we might, me and you, might underline have differences of, of opinion, even based upon scriptures that we have looked at about where that person was anyway right. from the beginning. But, okay, so, and, and so so now I know that. I only got one minute. I wish I had more time because still, even with the differences, because next week I'm going to come back and talk about falling away. Even with the differences, Derek, they still have to be brought to the people of God with that sound of knowledge and understanding of how to exegete and explain the scriptures as possible to give an explanation why these things occur. You would agree with that. I know that. All right. Yes. Yes. Yep. You would agree with it. You might. There are a variety of scripture there. In in some cases we may be well and accurate to say they departed from us because they were not a part of Exactly. First John 219. Right. First John 2. And then First Corinthians eleven. Yep, they, there must be heresies among you. Yeah, right. And then, and, and so yet, on the other side, you, you hit the two nails, and that will help our discussion next week about perseverance of the saints. Um, I mean, us persevering, it will help us. Mm-hmm. Then we may have to talk about 
uh, how they may come back. How they may All come right, back. Let the music play. Let the music play. We may have to talk Not about how, how they may come back. Bless you, my brother. Bless you. I hope this was an edifying time for you guys. We're getting ready to shut it down. It's good to be with you. We will take our subject up next week. Be ready to call. Until then, keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.